you and I, like, we spend way too much time <laughs> together in different formats because <laughs> I just, like, literally as we started recording this, I got a notification from you and Instagram about the Christmas gift that I got you. You were kind enough to mention the, that I got that for you. Um, yeah, had to so, show it off. Yeah, no. Um, and honestly, like, it's cool to, like, even that you're, like, you're, you're showing. So it's, it's, a, it's a coffee table book uh, about... <laughs> Uh, it's called The Art of the Hollywood Backdrop. And it's basically an entire book that talks about the different backdrop scenes throughout very famous movies. So I'm glad I'm 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 glad you like it. It is it's so beautiful. And one of the really cool features about it is it has like this like sleeve that the book comes out of. So I have that part of it on my new piece that's like under the TV as like a showpiece. And then I can also put the coffee table book in my coffee table book stack. So oh, it's awesome. like, it's also decor for my office. I just like, I knew you would love it. And, and you know, that's just, this the kind of thing that is just like, this was months ago, like months ago, I saw this feature on Sunday morning and they were talking about like, there was this person who bought this lot of all of these old, like backdrop mural paintings on like, canvas whatever they would hang in, in in studios for certain things and they were going through them and they were just rolled up as like like old carpets and they kept like like unfurling them and oh this is this was some, such and such from the wizard of oz and this was such and then they mentioned this book and i was like that's it and it was just like i started like looking through some of the reviews and yeah so like i'm glad it's 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 a hit i'm glad you like it because like that's it's you I mean, nailed I it, it i mean it would hit it it's hit, so. no, you you were right. It's not just the the content, but like not to make a Seinfeld joke, but <laughs> I feel like I've started to really get into coffee table books too. Um, my dad got me this coffee table book for my birthday. That's like tra this mid century travel magazine that no longer exists. So it's like a coffee table book about that publication, and um, yeah. So ever since I got that, I've been like super in tune to like. When I see them places, I always pick them up. But yeah, um, but it's one of those things that like you feel we're buying it for yourself. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's like it's it's a gift. It's more of a gift uh, genre of a book. I feel it like. is, and also the Hamilton book, which I talked about like incessantly yeah. over lockdown. I think coffee table books are supposed to be like you know you leave them around and if you have people over like they might flip through them if they get bored but like ever since i read the hamilton book i'm like no no, no i'm gonna read it i'm gonna read the entire thing yeah <laughs> i feel like with open floor plans too like some like coffee table books like stopped existing for a while or they at least didn't have the same like like value that yeah, they might have you don't have like a ago. living room like, right most people right. don't have living rooms like old school right. ones so like it's kind of cool that like there's like a market and it's kind of coming back at least a little bit at least in this instance that you can find some kind of like you know some enjoyment with them. Well, I'm bringing them back in my office. <laughs> Listen, I am all for one person trends. You know me. <laughs> Trend for one. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve, and this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. So I've started thinking about what I want my word of the year to be for 2021. That's right. But before I do that and talk about it, I was thinking about my year, my word of the year for 2020, 
which is kind of ironic, kind of funny, but sort of worked out in the end. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. No. Okay. So my word was boundless. The reason I chose it was at the beginning of the year before COVID started, Jimmy started working from home, like which was like a planned thing. And I thought, oh, this is going to be fantastic. He's working from home now and I work from home and I make my own schedule. So now we'll be able to travel and go wherever we want and not be like tied to you know, staying here or like any kind of schedule. So that was the ironic part <laughs> and the part that I can laugh at now that obviously didn't work out. But the second reason I chose the word boundless was I really wanted to go into this year without feeling like I had to do any specific thing. I, I felt like if I saw a movie that inspired me or I heard a podcast or I read a book or even something that may have been off-brand for me, I wanted to feel like I could come forward and and create content around it without feeling like I'm being judged or that it's somehow going to ruin my business. So that part of it, I do feel like I kind of stuck to, probably not as much as I thought I would, but I felt like it was kind of a freeing exercise and I want to do more of that. Uh, next year. I want to do more things that are just because I feel like it, <laughs> to put it yeah. simply. Do you ever feel like you're put in a box or that sometimes you'll, you'll have an idea or you'll want to do something and you, for some reason, like don't pursue it? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's probably one of my, my bigger weaknesses is um, fear of the unknown or, or change is, is something I have a hard time with. We talk about how so many people of our generation are impacted by, you know, their, their parents because their parents, you know, work jobs and stayed in jobs for, for decades and, and didn't change. And that's what we saw. So in many ways, that's kind of what rubs off on us. And, and I don't, I won't, I wouldn't blame my parents for any decisions that I've made in life at all. But I've basically been in that same mindset and approach. So changing things up, I think, you know, sometimes can, it, it, it throws me, it, it, it probably throws me more than it should because ironically, I feel like I'm a very confident individual. Like I'm very confident in my skill set and my abilities. And sometimes even like seeing the path, knowing the strategy and how I want to get to where I want to go. But I will question myself and torture myself every step along the way until I get to the final piece. And then it's just kind of like, well, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I think that's something that really like, I don't know if it's just a part of my process and I'm just, you know, I, I can, I can slowly torture myself or if it's something that I need to overcome because it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. I feel like this happens a lot with certain projects where there's a lot of, you know, scrutiny over the creative. Is the message going to land? How do I know that the message is going to land? And you, you kind of like each step of the way in the creative process, you really kind of needle yourself and, in many ways, it's a good thing because you feel like you're 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 gut checking yourself along the way. So, you're almost you're almost like your own checks and balances system. 
Um, but I think it takes more out of me. And at the end of the day, when the project is done or when the, when, when it's ready to be released, you're almost kind of like, I wouldn't say dramatically like collapsing, but like, there's almost this feeling of just like, thank God. And, and I don't know if it's something that I need to get better at or if it's just part of who I am, but I think there are times where it's like, I wish I wasn't like that because you feel like there's gotta be a better way. You shouldn't have to feel like you're painting yourself just to, to execute, you know, the delivery of something. I think you nailed it in the first thing that you said that not only do we have these examples of our parents, and this is obviously not, not everyone, but I know for us and, you know, a lot of people like in our lives, it is the case where, where our parents did do the same thing for a really long time and, you know, our grandparents. So that's kind of the example that we have to follow. And I think that it's hard to see an example like that, to see people who have happy, good lives, and then to say, oh, wait, like, let's do something different when you know that, like, that works. That's something that I've, I've definitely struggled with, too, especially, you know, in, in being a creative person at all. I think that there's a big part of me that, that does want to just have the directions and follow them because that feels so much more natural. I don't want to even use the word easier. It feels more intuitive for me anyway. But I think the other thing that we are fighting against is that like we as humans do not like change from like a psychology level. Like we, we literally use up energy when we think about doing things that are unfamiliar to us. So one of the most helpful things for me this in this past year, and I guess years leading up to it, but really this year, I've been thinking about this a ton, is just having like check-ins with myself and saying, do you feel uncomfortable about this purely because it's something that you're not familiar with? And that's been really helpful with kind of knowing you know, when to kind of follow my gut, like when something feels wrong or when just something just feels like I'm unfamiliar with it. Cause I think that there's a difference. Do you feel like from, from an outsider's perspective that when they're looking at people who work in creative fields, that it comes easy to those people because they work in such a dynamic type of, uh, you know, environment that these ideas must just come pretty quickly I don't know. I, I can only speak for myself, but I think that I look at creative people and think sometimes that I'm not like them. For a long time, I always identified as a, a left-brained creative. Um, I felt like there was a lot more thinking in it, but uh, in more recent years, I've tried to loosen up a little bit. Um, and, you know, going into this year, choosing that word was really an exercise in in trying to push myself into unleashing some of that creativity that I know is in me. But I'm like so stuck and like rigid in, you know, more of like the corporate nine to five, like more of like a traditional role. Um, we've talked about this on the show before, but even in terms of how I work, even though 
I personally believe that creative people should work when and where, you know, works for them. I still find myself getting up and feeling like I need to go to my office and sit at my desk um, before I do anything else, like do some like some sort of traditional type work. That's always how I start my day, but it's purely habit. I don't think it actually needs to be that way. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it's, I think it's difficult. And I think sometimes I think people on the outside, you know, underestimate when I say on the outside, people who are not the ones in the creative field coming up with the concepts and, 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 and executing the work. I think sometimes, you know, underestimate how, how difficult it really is to come up with these ideas to execute a vision. Um, and I think sometimes that kind of works against the creative because I think sometimes it's like they believe that you can do anything and you have a hard time believing that that's something that you can you can do when you're constantly like doubting yourself and fighting yourself. And we had a project recently. This just kind of comes to mind that the original idea of the project, I won't get into the specifics, but just know that the original idea for the project came from a position of like frustration this group of people wanted to solve this problem and they were really angry that the problem existed. And it was, well, let's come up with a way to do this in a creative way. And it was like, okay, that's really hard to try to do something that's going to probably, you know, be presented on, on, on social media. That's going to be a social delivery when the, 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 the origin, the origin of the concept came from like, we're mad about this. <laughs> you can't, you can't express anger and expect people are just going to like come a running. Like, and it really took our team, um, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say it was a period of weeks, but like it probably took them a good seven to eight days to come up with like, you know, okay, we think this is the, this is the way to do this and express, you know, the concern, but do so in a way that's going to be received the way we would want this message to be received by this audience. And there was a lot of there were moments of like self checking yourself and and wondering, like, if we say this, is it going to be interpreted like this? I mean, like splitting scripts down to, you know, words. And there are moments where I think I have to remind myself that, like, the audience isn't necessarily getting that close to the final product. I think we are our own worst enemy sometimes because we care so much about some of these elements. But more often than not, they're consuming it for the first time, one time, and and they're looking at it from a much higher vantage point than than we are. But that's so hard, I think, to to grasp because you almost feel like you're mailing it in. You almost feel like you're turning your back on what your skill set really is, which is paying attention to details, you know, being focused on some of these things to make the product as good as it can be. So we started something new. I'm usually going to you with ideas. So I think I was so excited that I barely listened to what you said and I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Could have said anything <laughs> right there at that point in time, couldn't I? Michelle and I grew up in the 90s and we've noticed I think over the years that a lot of the uh, references that we end up dropping in our podcast end up coming from that period in our childhood. We were a TV generation, so we remember a lot of these offbeat commercials and a lot of these things that um, were a part of our childhood. And 
I thought it would be fun to kind of like look back at them. We don't really watch commercials anymore in, in this day and age. You know, ads are usually something that we're doing anything that we could possibly do to skip over. Funny commercials or, or commercials with memorable jingles have stayed with us over the years. Uh, and this platform, this this commercial breakdown show gave us the opportunity to bring some of them back and, you know, relive a few of these moments with, with all of you and, you know, reflect fondly on them. So if you get a chance, go into one of our pod for creative social profiles or go to our website and look for commercial breakdown which is the name of our show i time this it takes literally four seconds of your time subscribe to our youtube channel and hit that thumbs up button if you have a friend or a sibling or someone um, that you remember talking to about the commercials that that we're showcasing Certainly anywhere where you can share it, we would really appreciate it. When I was reviewing this year and going over some of the projects that I did that fit into this, that boundless concept, at the top of that list was Commercial Breakdown, which is a video show that you and I decided to do over the summer. We're still going with it, but it Anytime anyone asks me about it, they say like, oh, I saw you and Steve were doing like this, this new video show. And like, I always sense that they wanted to know why or maybe what our long-term intentions were for it or like, did we get a sponsor or something like that? And I was, it's weird to me that just the answer we we thought it would be fun. We thought it would be funny. And so we did it is like a weird answer to give. I felt uncomfortable giving that answer. I think the expectation is like, you know, when you start these things, it's gotta be about, you know, is there a money, is there a money source? Is there, is there something that, you know, is there, is, is there bigger than just doing it for, for, for fun? And, you know, I think that's what made it so, easy to say yes to because it was just something that was you know a shared interest and something that we could have some fun with and for things like that there isn't a moment where you question the creative when you're like going through it um you know you like you wear costumes basically (laughs) of the people from the commercials that were breaking down and it's like you don't like for a moment sit there and go like how is somebody going to, you know, interpret this? Or are they going to laugh at this? Or like, you just kind of do it. Like, you know, we, you know, I think I sang on a couple of episodes, yep. which I mean, I don't, I would never <laughs> do on the podcast. But you did on video. Right. And like, because it was just something that I think that came from a place of enjoyment. So I, I think like the lesson for, for us out of that was like, And for me, I think from a growth standpoint is like when you're doing work that you truly, you know, enjoy doing or you feel connected to it from an enjoyment level, I think some of those whispers that go on in your head, those voices, they're not as loud. You know, I think there's always moments of like, oh, do I like this? Is it up to my standards? Is it? But it's not so much about how is this going to be received when I put this out there because you feel that level of connectivity to to the work. I think that if you have an idea 
and you're you're really really excited about it and it lights you up that's something that you can't really hide and i completely understand the value in before starting a project doing research and studying audience and looking at data and statistics and all that stuff that stuff is important but there's that sometimes it's like that thing that can't be measured is the thing that makes it so special and I think about when we when we were recording the especially those first two episodes that second episode I I just like completely lost it I was laughing so hard and like that's not something that can be fabricated that's not something that you can get from data that is just that is like pure joy in that moment and when someone sees that they're going to maybe not relate to it, but like they're going to feel something. They're going to say like, okay, that is like a human being, like just like totally being herself. And I just, I don't think that there's enough of that in, in creative work because people are afraid to show that part of them or let themselves be vulnerable to follow ideas that may not make sense or that you might might not be able to give like that explanation for like, oh, someone hired me to do this or, you know, this is going to be in line with like a launch down the road. I mean, I just I can't say it enough how important it is to to work on creative projects just because you are excited about them. So did you find because we've talked about this a little bit, but your book, did the voices get quieter the further you got into it do you mean the voices of like me me being confident about pursuing the project or yeah how 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 is it going to be received are people going to are people going to read do, do you still have like doubts because i mean from an outsider's perspective it feels like you've sort of like like you're in a good spot with mm-hmm. where you are right now i think that might that would be a fair assessment yeah i do so, feel like i've overcome some of those doubts, but I think, you know, if you're listening to this and I'll, Steve, I'll remind you too, I've been working on this for a really long time. (laughs) I think the first time I talked about like publicly that I was working on this book, it was a year and a half ago from, from now when we're recording. And so much of this year has been spent working through that, not just working on the book, but also working on the mental side of it, of being able to be confident enough to call myself a writer or an author and talking about publishing, not as an if, but a when. But yeah, it, that, that that took consistency, but it's not completely, (laughs) I'm not 100% there because when you quiet those initial doubts, there will be other ones that that come up like I overcame the ones about me not being a a writer because I didn't have an English degree or I don't really have you know I haven't even I've barely even guessed blogged places I've really only written for for myself and for for uh, the podcast so I was able to get past that I was able to get past the the being a storyteller but now I feel like I'm struggling a little bit with the idea of okay, well, now when this thing is published and people read it, even though it's a fiction story, so much of me is in it. And 
there are only there have only been three people so far who have who have actually read it, and all three of them said, "Oh, I could I could really hear your voice in this book," and I think they meant it as a compliment. But I also heard that and said, "Oh God, like." it feels like you're like burying your soul in a way like, okay, people are going to read this, identify it with me. And now they have all of these things that they can judge me for. But basically. don't you feel like that's, that's what you were going for? Like, in the like what, what the, what the outcome was, was probably exactly what you were intending to have happen. It's just the realization of that. It's happening. Yeah. But not, you know, no one wants to be judged for something like do you, but do you feel like that's what's going to happen or do you think people are going to read the book for the book? I think people will read the book for the book, but I think that people who know me are going to have a hard time maybe separating the two and I don't know. I mean, I I don't think that anything is, is foolproof. You're always going to have people who don't like things. There are always going to be people who judge I mean, we judge. It's it's in our all the time. in, in right. our our nature. So, right. I think it's um, it's becoming okay with that. So that's kind of my next thing that I think that I need to be uh, to work on. But it's totally worth it because you know, even though I have those doubts and insecurities, every time I go back and read it and edit it, I get so excited thinking about, especially the people in in my life that will get to. Uh, read and experience it and hopefully strangers too. <laughs> Do you think the doubt and insecurities that creep in as part of the creative process, do you think it's just part of the process that it's, it's normal for everybody? Or do you ever think it gets to a point where, you know what, if I find this funny, if I find this emotional, if I find this, you know, whatever, someone else will too the hell with the voices, the hell with the doubt. I mean, maybe for some people, I don't think for me it's it'll ever go away, especially if I continue to pursue new things, which I find to be exciting. Um, so I feel like that's almost a good indicator. If you're feeling that and you know you haven't mastered it, it means that you're doing something new and that's really cool. But that like trusting yourself I think the more things you do and the more more things that you do that are your idea and then seeing them work out, seeing them work out or seeing how good you feel when you do them, I think helps you trust yourself more. That's been my experience. Yeah. And looking back, I think sometimes is good too. You know, we're, we're, we're in a society that is so obsessed with what's coming more you know, down the road, you know, bigger, better. I think there's value to looking back as a reminder of all the things that you've been able to conquer and, and do and what it's led you to become. Sometimes that can be a really good reminder for any of that doubt that's creeping in, like, hey, I, I can do this. Like, I, I'll find a way and it's going to work because it's in my DNA. This is what I do. This is who I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point. So often we're we're so focused on what we're going to do and how we might screw it up that we forget all the things that we've that we've done and accomplished. And I think that 
maybe it's just like the novelty has worn off, but I think that like after we've done it, because it doesn't feel like a big deal anymore, we discount it in a way as it being an accomplishment. I don't know. I feel like we're all a little bit guilty of that. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree. Um, I think it's just part of what, what, what we need to do to kind of like, it's the validation part of it. You know, I think we, we, we accomplish something and we don't oftentimes stop to like appreciate what we've done because you're always on to the next project, onto the next thing. I'm not saying kind of like rest on your laurels, but I think that there's gotta be something that comes from being able to realize that if you had those doubts in, as part of the creative process, if you weren't sure when you are able to overcome and do and deliver and it lands, there's got to be a moment of recognition in there. And that's got to only serve you better with the next project that's coming. So has this conversation inspired you to pick a word for 2021? <laughs> you know, we've done these like, I don't think I've ever told you this, but like we used to, my Rachel and I, my wife, we used to have these like, you know, 20, 2018 was going to be the year of this and 2017 was going to be the year of this. Like we kind of had this, like, um, this thing going and now it stopped after we had, we had Ryan. It's the year um, of Ryan. Well, well uh, it well, still 20, is. 2018 <laughs> was supposed to be the year of, of, um, I think it was the year of change. And, and it kind of was in many mm -hmm. ways, you know, for all the things that we went through that year. But I don't know. I don't know if it's inspired me to pick a word, but I think what it's, what it's done is it's, you know, it's, it's given me the comp, like, I, I think this is the year to kind of, to look back going into 2021. And I think a lot of people can really empathize with this going into this new year with everything that we've gone through in 2020 to be able to say, We've endured, we've overcome. Some of us may have suffered loss um, in in more significant ways than others, but we're still here and 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 we're still standing. So the challenges that lie ahead, the things that you're about to accomplish, look back on what you've been able to kind of do and tell yourself, I got this. You know, I, I think that's my attitude going into this year is, you know, it's it's been bad and somehow we're still here we're still breathing so let's go if you've enjoyed this episode help us spread the word on social media tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you yeah because i think so many times in in, in our world today <laughs> hold on <laughs> i'm starting to think this tower is not going to make it much longer <laughs> There's some pretty heavy weight on it. So. Spatially, I couldn't tell what was happening. I didn't know if the back was tipping over onto you or... It's, this still isn't level. Give me a second. Okay. That's what happened when I was waiting for you the last time. And I was just like, all of a sudden, the thing started like coming towards me. And I was like... <laughs> now we can Love add to... earthquake. <laughs> to, uh... We'll have to clip that later. <laughs>